October 31st, 1517, All Hallows' Eve, as it was known, the Roman church received the world's most memorable trick or treater at its door when a lowly priest named Martin Luther posted his 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. Though it was barely noticed on that day, that small act done by Martin Luther marked the beginning of the Reformation movement, a movement that birthed several denominations and churches, including our very own Hope Reformed Church of the Reformed Church in America. And I find it odd that Martin Luther may be the most memorable trick-or-treater of all time, and yet it's shocking how few kids dress up like him. I found this brave soul. Look at that. Come on! Dress up your kids as Martin Luther, right? Come on, let's be some good Reformed folk. Of course, I say that as my kids are not going as Martin Luther, but Martin Luther had no idea what would come from that moment. He was simply seeking to be faithful to what God had laid upon his heart. You have no idea how God may use one small act of faithfulness. God can take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands upon thousands. He can break chains and shake prison doors at the mere mention of his name. He can take one sentence, one invitation, one word of encouragement, one act of faithfulness from you and change lives, heal hurts, reconcile the seemingly irreconcilable. And on October 31st, 1517, God used one small act that would be considered worldly dis- defiance. But what we know is an act of faithful obedience. And it birthed a movement to refocus his church on the gospel. October 31st is known as Halloween, but also Reformation Day. Now, you guys know why Halloween's called Halloween. It's All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows is another term for all saints, holy things, all saints. All Saints' Day happens on November 1st. It was a day that was established by the Catholic Church to look back and celebrate all the saints who have gone before. And Martin Luther was a little bit, um, I, you could say humorous or cheeky if you want, or wanted to make a point. On All Hallows' Eve, he goes, they're going to celebrate all these saints. I don't think we need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate the one true God. So the day before, he posted these theses. And that's why today's Reformation Day. That's why it stands in stark contrast to Halloween, a fun day, but with roots that go back to some practices that are not so Christian. Now, there were a lot of things going on that led to Martin Luther pounding 95 complaints on the door. Things like corruption and indulgences, theology that had gone haywire and astray. But we're not going to get into the weeds of all of those complaints today. Instead, we're going to focus on how at the heart of that movement, at the heart of that was reclamation of the gospel and how we need to contend for that today because it is still relevant and still important to hold on to as central to our lives. 
Let's look at a verse that was one of the key verses for Martin Luther as he was inspired to move toward action. It's Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Martin Luther had a front row seat to a church that preached a different message. So this was key inspiration for him. He saw this verse and others, and it was proved a powerful reminder that it is through God's grace and having faith in God's grace, not through any works that humans are justified that is made right before God. It reminded Martin Luther of the authoritative power of Scripture and that to God alone belongs all glory. The Reformation was a cry to return to radical and faithful reliance on God, on his word, and on his grace. That's at the heart of the Reformation. Now, Martin Luther may have been that spark plug that God used to launch this movement, but we also know he surely wasn't alone. We know of John Calvin. We know of uh, uh, Zwingli. Zwingli? Wow, I didn't write his name down right. Zwingli, right? Yeah, and others. A host of contributors and unexpected encounters that happened as this movement took place. It's a reminder that God's plan is a deeply complex and intricate weaving of millions of threads all working together to form his kingdom tapestry. And at the heart of this Reformation movement was the Reformer's belief that Christianity had strayed far away from its design. It no longer resembled what they read about in Scripture. We know the Reformation is so much more than simply a theological dispute. They believed the gospel itself was at stake. The gospel that is core and central to your and I's faith was no longer the core of Christianity as it was being expressed at that time. And so the Reformation acted as a refocusing on the gospel, placing it firmly back into the center of Christianity. Now, out of this effort came five things called five solas that are central to Reformed theology. These are some Latin phrases that if you are a, a born and bred Reformer, you're likely familiar with, and if you're not, you may be hearing about these for the first time. But the concepts are all biblical. So we're going to go through these a little bit together. You see them up there, sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola Christus, Christ alone, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, and soli deo gloria, glory to God alone. And together, the five solas capture the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of them are an essential part of the gospel that we read about. 
You cannot pick and choose. You cannot just take, for instance, grace alone and leave out faith alone. They all work together to give us a good guardrail and understanding of how to navigate the scriptures. So let's dive into each of them, gain a little bit better understanding of each one. The first one, sola scriptura, scripture alone. We submit to God's word as our highest authority. As it says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuking. It is useful for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture, it's breathed out by God. Take a breath with me. It is breathed out by God. The same cannot be said for church tradition, for consistories, for church leaders, for mission statements. All those serve an important role, but only God's word creates life. Only God's word, when he breathes life into the world, life happens. God is the one divine author that worked through many human authors through his Holy Spirit. Second Peter says this about the prophets, that prophecy never had its origin in the human will. No. But prophets, though they were human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The same is true for the Bible writers. The Holy Spirit worked in and through them, to bring us God's living word. Sola Scriptura teaches us that in the end, that all other authorities in the Christian life fall underneath this one. This is at the top. While Scripture alone rules over other authorities, because this alone is God's inspired, inerrant, that means it is true in everything it teaches, and sufficient word. This book is true, and this book is our truth. But we also know because of that, there will be things in here we won't like. There will be things in here that confuse us, confound us. There will be things that we have to wrestle with. There will be things we will never fully get. Okay? But because it is indeed our final authority, we can have assurance that it is true, that it is good, because it is created by a good God. It is useful, and it still speaks to us today. The Bible is sufficient. It can inform us and transform us on all topics of life and faith. And what else? The Bible reveals to us our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sola Christus, Christ alone. And Christ alone, right? My hope is found. My hope is built on nothing less. Jesus' blood and righteousness. Christ is enough for me. Christ alone. 
Jesus alone is the king of kings. Jesus alone is the high priest. Jesus alone is our redeemer. Jesus alone is the sole mediator between God and humanity. It is Christ and Christ alone who saves. Look at what it says in Acts. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. He is our Savior. There is no other. He saved us, not because of anything we've done, but because of the depth of his love for us. Because sola gratia and sola fide, grace alone and faith alone. Salvation is a gift given by God's grace alone, period. It is only through our faith and faith alone that we may receive the redemption that Christ himself has already accomplished. This next verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, I encourage you, invite you, read it out loud with me and say it like, if you mean it, I want you to say it like you mean it. For it is by grace you have been saved. Come on, everybody. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace is fully and completely a gift of love that is fully and completely undeserved. We have done absolutely nothing on our own power to deserve this gift of salvation. We cannot earn it. We cannot pay off this debt. We cannot work toward it. We can do nothing on our own power. Without Christ, we would still be in chains. But because of this amazing grace, we have been set free. And our faith is simply an acknowledgement of all that Christ has done. It is to submit to what he's done, to accept that gift of grace and what he has accomplished. Because faith is acknowledging that Christ took our sin. He took the penalty of sin on the cross so that we may receive the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. That term is justification, that Christ made things right between us and God so that we might be free from the penalty of sin forever. Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace and faith alone, and soli Deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. None but the one true God is worthy of praise. Not saints, not man, no woman, no child, not even the Virgin Mary. Only God alone deserves our praise. Only God alone deserves his name to be raised on high. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power, forever and ever. 
there will be a day when all will bow before him. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. With angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar. Glory to God who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy, holy is the Lord. Together, these five solas point us to these core, foundational, and central teachings of the Bible. They were birthed out of the Reformation as guardrails to keep the Church of Christ focused on the Word of Christ in a time when the global church had gone significantly off course. So the question for us today, why does this matter to us today? Well, this word is living and active, and it still speaks, and it is true in all it teaches, right? And also because the gospel is always under assault. Who is the enemy of the God of truth? It is the father of lies. And he is actively at work. So we cannot fall asleep to the war that is going on every minute of every day. Just like in Halloween— there's scary things out there, right? My kids like to go look at the decorations and they're like, oh, spooky. They were watching an Arthur Halloween special yesterday with the pillows right here, holding on to it, watching it. I said, you scared, guys? No. <laughs> One of them slept with his bright light on all night. There are scary things out there. There are seductive things out there. There are sweet things out there that will rot your soul and your faith like candy will rot your teeth. Consider the five solas and just some very quick ways these unending truths are under attack. Consider the authority of Scripture. I just went to a general synod where a paper was proposed that it said within that paper, Scripture isn't sufficient enough for us to understand this topic. Consider the centrality of Christ. The people that believe many different religions will all get you to the same place. There are many ways to reach heaven. No. There's one way, and that name is Jesus, and that is the way. Consider Faith alone. Oh, no, 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 no. You can work towards it. You just have to be a good person. Just be a moral person. Just do more good than you do bad, and you're going to be fine. We can earn our way. We can pay off our debts. And until you find me a perfect person amongst us, I will never believe that truth. Because it is not true, that's a lie. Consider grace alone. You ever fall into the trap of thinking you deserve good things? We deserve this. We deserve this. We don't deserve this. Praise God because he says, I love you so much it doesn't matter. 
consider giving glory to God alone in a me-centered world. Hey, look at me. Look at my accomplishments. Look at what I've done. Look at how good I am. I'm worthy. There's only one who is worthy. There are so many lies being taught as good and true that will poison us and lead us astray from what our actual truth teaches us. Why does this matter today? The gospel is always under assault, and we are constantly being influenced by something. We long to be influenced by God's true and transforming word, but we also know the world and culture is constantly battling for our souls. You know the expression, you are what you eat? Yeah. You are what you eat. And culture is consistently feeding us. We have, you could call, what's one of those tubes, right? What are those called? Help me out. My words fail me. Like a, an IV. Thank you. We have an IV attached. And unless we're a hermit, we are being influenced by something other than God's good and true word. So what do we do to combat that? We actively have to work to keep the gospel center to our lives, to combat that influence with the transformative influence of God's living and active word. Only then will we be centered and standing upon the foundation of Christ instead of the shaky sand of the world. We have a final warning, a challenging one for all of us. This is a warning that Jesus himself gave through his servant John in Revelation as he was pronouncing rebukes against church and individuals who make up those churches when they've lost their way. None of us want to be in this place. But John delivers this rebuke. To the Laodicean church. This is Jesus' words. I know all the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Pastor's uh, uh, interpretation as it connects to our passage. You dabble in the scriptures, but you're also living for the world. Choose one or the other so I know where you're at. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. You say I have everything I want, that I don't need a thing. Translation, you are not relying on me. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so I advised you to buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. Translation, I am more than enough for you. I am the way. I can save you. I can give you what you need. 
I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Because that's God's grace on display. Even to this church he is rebuking, he's saying, I still love you. And I long for you to come to me and me to come to you. And Jesus was pounding on that door. It wasn't that gentle knock like that beautiful picture describes. He is pounding on the door. Let me in to your soul because there's a battle being waged and I'm not sure if you are in or out with me. Not for salvation, but how you're living your life. None of us want these words to be true to us. But all of us likely can find ourselves in that place. Maybe not today, but maybe in the past or maybe in the future. Because when the gospel is no longer central to our lives, we acknowledge God longs to do the same to us. Pounding on our door. Let me in. So he may lovingly pull us back to his ways. And so we talked about the five solas. We talked about refocusing on the gospel. We talked about why it's so important because of the influences in the world and the battle that is going on. Because there is a battle, we ought to have a battle plan. So the first task for us is to do an internal, deep, and prayerful spiritual inventory to ask those questions, God, how am I doing? Am I standing on your true word? Or am I believing lies of the enemy? Do I acknowledge and accept and welcome your grace in my life? Or am I trying to keep it away by being a prisoner to my shame and my guilt? Or am I simply living a lukewarm lifestyle when I'm just kind of moseying through life? Where we're just below with the wind of however culture takes us and sways us? Is Jesus knocking or pounding on our door, calling us to return to him, his word, and his ways? So that's the first step, is a spiritual inventory, and then taking those things to God in prayer. The next is to know and to grow your faith. Stand firm on the only thing that is true, which is our Savior. Stand true and firmly on his true word. So that the winds of the world, they may seek to sway you, but you will remain steadfast in a foundation that is sure. We do this in a few ways. We do this in solitude, us and God, where we come face to face with him and who we are, the good and the ugly, but also whose we are. That we are his beloved child, forgiven and redeemed. And we also do this in community. Because together, our faith is galvanized. We are recalibrated. We are encouraged. We find solidarity and support for the journey because we are stronger and better together. The third piece of our battle plan is to walk boldly in grace and gently in truth, never forsaking one for the other. Jesus Christ is the God of grace and truth and offers the perfect balance of both. May we receive his grace 
and know his truth. May we proclaim his truth as we offer his grace. Receive and believe in his grace and truth. These five solas reveal it's all about Christ. Having faith in the one who saves, the one who loves, the one who is revealed in his word, the one who deserves all praise, honor, and glory. May the gospel of Jesus Christ stay central in our lives as we seek to love and serve the one true God. May it be so for each of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that we may stand firmly on you as our true guide in life. For you are truth and the only truth, Lord. So Father, we pray that as we reflect on this message, as it sits in our being, that your spirit works within us to convict, to inspire, to encourage as we experience your grace in real time. We thank you for that Reformation movement, for what our heritage is a part of. But God, we say that knowing we always have work to do. And we say that knowing that we have a part to play. And while no kid may ever dress up like us on Halloween, you have an important work for us to do because it is part of your grand kingdom tapestry. We thank you, Lord. May we know you and know your truth and know your ways because you have given us life. We love you. We proclaim this truth today. And we praise your name because you are worthy of it all. It's in Jesus' name alone we pray. Amen.